The Bible Study Podcast, episode 209. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the wilderness. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Last week, we started a study, probably a three-part study on the wilderness, and we talked about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and we're using the wilderness both literally but also sort of symbolically for those times in our lives when we are not in paradise. And so another place that I want to look at where the wilderness appears is someplace that we actually talked about about six months ago, and that is in the ministry of Elijah. For those of you who were not with us when we did the study on Elijah way back in episodes 180, I think is right around the time that we started that study, Elijah appears as a prophet of God, and his story is predominantly told in 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings 18, we get a very interesting account where Elijah, basically, who feels that he is the last of the prophets of God, because the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, have started to worship Baal, and they have started to worship him instead of God. And so he has a contest. And so basically at this point, he challenges the prophets of Baal, which is the true God. And so they get two burnt offerings, and they put the wood and the altars together, but they don't provide fire. And then they pray and call fire down from heaven. The prophets of Baal, hundreds of them praying all day, nothing happens. And Elijah showing off a little praise, and even though he has wet the altar down with water three times, the the altar, the offering the wood is all consumed by fire that falls from heaven. So when we talked about this back six months ago, you may recall that the next step for Elijah is not, as you might suspect, a victory parade, even though he has shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is God and that God is the true God and Baal is the false God. He has gotten himself in trouble with the king of Israel. And so we get 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel, and Ahab is the king and Jezebel his queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So this is not a victory parade, and for Elijah, what he was hoping at this point is that he would lay down and die. He was done. This is somebody who is in the wilderness in a couple different ways here. One, they are physically in a place called the wilderness. They are in the desert. And two is they are an outsider. They feel, Elijah feels at this point, that he is the only one who has remained faithful to God. He feels cut off from his people at this point, and he is worn and he is weary. So he is in the wilderness also emotionally. This is not paradise. This is a time where he is worn out. 
This is a time where he feels that he's been doing the right thing again and again and again, and it hasn't got him anywhere. This is a time of testing, perhaps for Elijah, but it's not a time of tempting like Jesus' time in the wilderness. This is just a difficult time. And again, as we said last week, there is no promise in the Bible that a relationship with God always goes smoothly. Certainly, we can't look at Jesus' relationship with God and say everything was always roses. It led him to a cross out of faithfulness to the Father. And Elijah, it led here to the wilderness. He hasn't done anything wrong, but he has ended up in this place where he feels isolated, alone, and worn out. And there are times in our lives, even when I think we are being faithful to God, where we will find ourselves in the wilderness. And it might be a wilderness of loss. Certainly, God doesn't promise to protect us from loss. If we ever love, we will find ourselves at some time suffering loss. In every relationship, one person will die first. And that is just the way it is. We are, in fact, almost promised to have loss if we live in the way that God desires, which is in a connected fashion, in relationship not just with God, but with others. So we are not protected and sheltered from things going wrong. Certainly we live in a world that is a broken and fallen world, and there is sickness, and there is tragedy, and there is evil. And that's some of what Elijah is running into. He's running into a king, in this case, who has authority, who is willfully disobedient to God, and even more so his queen Jezebel. One of the reasons why Jezebel is not such a common kid's name. But this isn't where this story ends. This story goes on. In fact, I stopped in the middle of a verse, verse 5. Verse 5 ends this way. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. So again, we get that 40. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, and Elijah also spends 40 days in the wilderness after he has been strengthened by God. He is given the strength by God through one of his angels, angels being a word again that means messenger, and in this case, a minister. The angel is ministering to him, providing food when there is no reason to suspect there would be food provided, and gives him the strength to go on in the desert, to go on in the wilderness when he feels that he hasn't the strength to go on. And where he is going is to the Mount of God, where he is going is to Horeb. And the story continues. The Lord appears to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. 
The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I've always found this set of verses here in 1 Kings 19 to be intriguing. We learn something about God, but I think we also learn something about Elijah. Elijah has learned to recognize the presence of God. Elijah, who, as far as he knows, is the last of God's prophets here in the kingdom of Israel, has learned to recognize when God is speaking, obviously, but he's also learned to recognize when God is present. And so there's all this great fuss and fury of wind and earthquake and fire, and Elijah isn't fooled by that. He waits until he hears this gentle whisper. I think that's interesting because I don't know that we always recognize when God is present, that we always recognize when God is acting. And the Bible definitely talks about God as someone who is acting. Remember, there's the promise that for all who are called according to his purposes, God is working for good. God is someone who is working And Elijah recognizes at this point God. And it's interesting. I don't know why God, who can cause earthquakes and winds and fire, chooses to be a still, small voice. But that is the God that we worship, is that he will often display himself in a way that is so quiet that we need to be listening, in a way that is so subtle that we need to be watching. And I think sometimes the reason why we encounter God in the wilderness, in those times when there is little else for us, in those times when we feel we have lost everything, in those times when so much has been taken away, is that there isn't the distractions that we have that can keep us from hearing the still, small voice of God. And so quite often we'll find, and it's a theme in the Bible as we're going through here, but it's also, I think, a theme that you'll find if you talk to people who have been Christians for a while, is sometimes those hard times that they went through were the times where they learned the most. The times where they relied on God, obviously, the most is part of it. But it's also a time when sometimes we're more open to listening. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Mohala, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel." all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so Elijah learns here in the wilderness, here 40 days 
since his last good meal. Here, as he is waited for God, he learns that he is not alone. And he learns it in two different ways. One is God is speaking to him. And two is God says, there are 7,000. There's a remnant. There's this theme in the Old Testament of a remnant who God has reserved for himself. A remnant who are still faithful when it looks like all else are not faithful. And so this is a lesson that Elijah learns in the wilderness. And I think it's a lesson that many of us need to learn when we are in the wilderness is that we are not alone. And sometimes I think those ministering angels, those messengers of God are are us. I think we are called to be ministers to others who find themselves in the wilderness to let them know that they are not alone, to let them know that God has not left them and we have not left them either. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app, or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.